Hey everybody, happy Tuesday! You're listening to Hoops and Hash Browns. And we are back. Hoops and Hash Browns getting your Tuesday mornings off to a baller start yet again. <laughs> I'm Ricky Weeps alongside Allie Hanson. Allie, it's been quite some time now. How you doing? You know, I'm actually doing pretty well. I'm finally growing accustomed to being home and everything, but God, I miss this, you know? Tuesday mornings just aren't the same. You know, quarantine has had us down in the dumps, but ESPN has delivered recently with moving up the starting date of The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary of the 1997 to 98 Bulls. And, you know, we were planning this when it was going to come out at the beginning of June to try and recap some of the episodes. So that's what we're doing right now, just a few weeks earlier. I'm, I'm pretty excited to do this. How about you? Yeah, I'm super excited because... I was born in 2000. I unfortunately didn't get to watch Jordan. I mean, he ex- or he retired when I was three. Like, I don't remember that. So this is super exciting that I finally get to see what everybody was talking about. I finally get the opportunity to experience Michael Jordan. It's not the same as watching him live, but this is the closest I'm ever going to get to watching probably the greatest basketball player of all time. And Mike Magic Johnson said it perfectly last night after the first two episodes premiered that a whole generation is getting to understand why MJ was the actual GOAT. So I want to start this off. Just what was your favorite moment of the first two episodes that premiered on Sunday night? You know, that's really easy for me. Something I've always, that's always been big with me is competitiveness. And that was what MJ displayed throughout his entire career. My favorite example was in the, in Michael Jordan's uh, second year with the team, he broke his foot. And he was out for 64 games, I believe. And when he started to come back the following season, he made a deal with the Bulls to play for seven minutes a half. And they were very, very strict about the seven minutes. They said in the documentary that he could be mid-jump shot and they'd call a timeout and pull him out. The second that seven-minute marker was hit, they they pulled him out. And so there was this uh, game where the Bulls, I believe, were down one with about 14 seconds left in the game. And Michael Jordan hit that seven minute mark with 14 seconds left and they pulled him out. And I don't remember the exact quote, but basically what they said was Michael Jordan was so irritated because his mentality was winning comes first every single time, no matter what. And this was a time where the Bulls didn't put winning first and they almost lost the game. Fortunately, um, somebody threw up a prayer and it went in and they ended up winning the game. But this is where Michael Jordan really started to struggle with his relationship with the front office, especially Krause. And, but he, he was talking about this was the time they didn't put winning first. And that, that was really cool for me. That was a big moment for me where I, I really started to respect Michael Jordan and not just respect him for what I've heard, but for what I'm seeing myself. Yeah. And that definitely was a shot in the foot to a lot of teams, especially in today's NBA. If you look at it where teams are, quote-unquote tanking to get draft positioning you don't see in our NBA right now players speaking out against tanking as much as it seemed like Jordan despised losing on purpose like it goes back oh he hated it It goes back to the quote that the Bulls owner said before that game was when MJ was begging them literally to come back and play even though he was playing at UNC without the Bulls even knowing 
I had 10 pills and none of them could cure a headache. Like, would you take a pill? And the other one would kill you. MJ goes, depends how bad the explicit headache is. Like that, that was just his drive to play. And not only was it his drive that was really shocking to me, but it was also just his natural innate athletic ability. And that work ethic helped propel his ability that was already existing. Like I remember Roy Williams, who had some of the best sound bites in the first episode. He said, Michael Jordan's the only player that could turn it on and off. And he never freaking turned it off. Like that just shows you like, yeah, he did not stop no matter what. Like I said, he, the competitiveness is big with me and I respect the crap out of him for being the way that he was he never like you know Kobe was for us he never had a day off I mean he would be back in the gym there was an example about how it was right at the beginning of the documentary where he was it was the end of practice and he was playing one of his teammates I forget who it was and this his teammate was dead exhausted ready to go to the locker room and MJ was like yo let's go play one-on-one like let me show you what I got and that was just his mentality he never he never stopped and no matter what was thrown in his way, he was always willing and ready to just go back out there the second he could. Now, the one thing that struck my mind last night, even before the documentary started, because as it, the days leading in the days leading up to it, I was kind of like, all right, people are going to take this and be like, oh, MJ's the GOAT, no doubt, screw LeBron, screw Kobe. Like, everybody's going to see this and impulsively react like that, right? But as a journalism student, how like every basketball player we see come out of high school, come out of college. They're the next LeBron. They're the next Kobe. They're the next Michael Jordan. When Michael Jordan came out of North Carolina, he was not drawing those comparisons. Like no, you did not I mean, see the media was... hyping him up at all. Really? Like he was just oh, no. some I mean, rookie going drafted... to the Bulls. Yeah. He was drafted third overall and, part of that reason was because the two teams in front of them needed a center and MJ was not a center and they looked him over. I mean, just imagine if you had an opportunity to draft Michael Jordan looking back and like you didn't, but anyway, I, he, he came in. I mean, if you watched him play, you knew that he was the best player coming into the draft, but he just was so undervalued. And that's something you haven't really seen with a lot of the bigger stars now. They come into the draft, they're hyped up. Everybody knows that they're the best. MJ had to fight a lot of adversity to get to that first spot. I mean, he he didn't get that respect immediately. Like, you know, uh, LeBron came into the league, Kobe came into the league, and within weeks, everybody knew exactly how good he was. And MJ wasn't like that. He was like the first player to really, who wasn't the best, to become the best. He didn't come into the league with the expectation that he was going to be the best. And I think that also attributes it to our age of social media. Like you see Zion Williamson blew up well before he even got to Duke because of his mixtapes on YouTube. Absolutely. And because kids are being exposed to younger athletes, kids and journalists and adults and fans of the sport at such a young age, everybody's quick to draw comparisons and put pressure on those athletes. And I also think that not having that additional pressure of the media, not that I think Michael Jordan would have cared necessarily as much, but I just think it's an interesting way to look at, like, he was not being compared to anybody when he came into the league, so he was able to be Michael Jordan. Like he said, after he hit that shot in the national championship game, that's when he turned from Mike Jordan to Michael Jordan, but he was not being Kobe Bryant. He was not being compared to LeBron James. 
he was just able to be himself. And I think that's ultimately what made him the best and what made him unique because he was able to be himself and not worry about anybody else. Absolutely. And so I guess now, Ricky, what was your, what was the moment that really stood out to you? Because there were some really cool things that happened. I mean, mine was kind of the Scottie Pippen thing because, you know, leading into that 97, 98 season, he got injured in the playoffs before and he chose to have his surgery late. So he was rehabbing during the season instead of the summer when he could have rehabbed for two to three months, been back ready to start the season. Well, we all know why he did that. And his quote was, I'm not trying to F my summer up. Said it straight face. And I completely agree with him because I believe it was a seven year, like $18 million deal that he signed in 1991. So he was was easily, easily the second best player in the league that year. I mean, everybody knew that. And he was the 122nd highest paid player in the league. I think that's a little ridiculous. I'm not saying he necessarily needed to be the number two salary in the league, but he he was so underpaid. And I think the Bulls really kind of took advantage of his home situation because his whole goal was to try and help his family and send money to them. And so the second he got a deal that was a long contract, you know, it was it was steady that he could rely on. He took it and ran with it. And then he realized really quick that he made a mistake. And this and he fought with the Bulls, and he fought with the Bulls, and they wouldn't give him the time of day and wouldn't even consider giving him any more money. So he had the opportunity to say, screw you, and he did. And I also feel like, you know, the team valued him, obviously, but you don't see those long contracts anymore. Like seven years, that is lucrative in terms a of years. Of because don't even last. A, a lot of players don't even last, like you said. And B, like, they're not they, – they would rather get paid a boatload of money right now. And that's really what the the market is, 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 if you look at the NBA today. And the other thing is, is we're not really seeing as many players stay at one team. I mean, Michael Jordan, until he went to the Wizards in in like 2001 or whatever, 2000, he was with the Bulls his entire career. For the high points of his career, he was there. Kobe was with the Lakers. And with a lot of the big players now, it's like you're seeing them bounce around a lot. Like LeBron's a great example of that, where he, there's no loyalty. I mean, okay, loyalty, I mean, just sticking with the team for an extended period of time. So that's why you don't see those big contracts anymore is because very rarely in this day and age, do you see a player stay with the team for seven years? Typically they play their rookie contract. Sometimes they sign a rookie extension and then they go somewhere else and they play until they've worn out their welcome. And then they go somewhere else. I mean, they just they don't stick around anymore. And I think that's a trend that's becoming really apparent across all sports. Because if you look at b- baseball, you have Derek Jeter, who will forever be a Yankee, only a Yankee. Mike Trout will probably be the last baseball player, like really, really good baseball player, in my opinion, to stick with one team his entire career out in Los Angeles. But you're right. Like Kobe stayed with the Lakers his entire career. Michael Jordan went on this fantastic run with the Bulls, just one team. Like LeBron bounced around, mm-hmm. KD's bouncing around, Kyrie's bouncing around, everybody in the NBA. Yeah. And obviously it's a lot easier in the NBA because one or two players can turn the tides for a franchise just like that, right? Absolutely. I mean, look at LeBron. He's the perfect example of one player leading a team to the finals. But I just think it was really surprising seeing Scottie Pippen. You know, obviously, yes. I'm pretty sure it was Michael Wilbon who said it. He was the best Robin to Michael Jordan's Batman. And absolutely. And you didn't really see him. I at least I didn't leading up to this documentary as someone who 
would pull a stunt like that, not getting surgery in the summer to be ready for the season. And, you know, the media did give him a lot of crap for it, but obviously it was rightly deserved that he's, yeah. Yeah, I, I think he deserved it for screwing over his team and screwing over his teammates like particularly his teammates. I mean, who cares about the rest of the organization, but particularly his teammates, he, he messed with them. I mean, you saw that when he was gone, the Bulls struggled. I mean, they were losing to teams that they shouldn't lose to solely because they didn't have that role player with Scottie Pippen on the court. And that's why I think he kind of deserved it was because he, he wasn't just saying screw you to his organization. He was saying that to his teammates and, I feel like you need to value your teammates, number one, no matter what. And he didn't in that situation. But then again, I also understand why he did that. I mean, the front office really did mess with him on that. I mean, so, I mean, there's good and bad to that situation. So, I mean, the one thing I just didn't agree with what he said was, I feel like management wrote our story already, that the book is closed after this year. So, like, why even bother? Like, that was his mentality. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, if you're a senior in high school, your book's already written. Like, this is your last year. This is the last dance, as Bill Jackson coined it. Why not want why, – why wouldn't you want to go out and win another championship just for one last time? Because you know you're along with these guys. You're along with Michael Jordan, Phil Jackson, Dennis Rodman for just one more ride. So why wouldn't you want to play in that kind of situation? You know, for somebody like us – for people like us who have never, unfortunately, experienced – winning a championship like that. I, I don't think we can really understand it. I mean, this guy had won several rings at this point. I mean, he he was ready to move on. And although, you know, for us, it's like, yeah, you take the opportunity every single time, but he was done with the Bulls. I mean, he was screwed over and he was, he was done. But one thing I think we really need to get to is Kraus. I know that the first two episodes he was a paint a picture was painted of him that wasn't that every great. and I understand and he is going to um his picture is going to improve over the next few episodes and I know that because he built this team this superstar team but he did some things and said some things that I will never understand I I, I, I yeah I think every series that is bingeable at least in this day and age, needs a Carol Baskin now to keep people hooked. Oh, absolutely. And I think Jerry Krause is is Carol Baskin in this. He is the Carol Baskin. Absolutely. I mean, there was this right early in the series, they were talking about how Krause was not respected by any stretch of the imagination from MJ or Scottie Pippen, particularly MJ. I mean, they showed footage of him going up to Krauss and be, and talking about him needing diet pills and saying things about his wife. Just out of the blue. But Just out of the blue. Just randomly, like totally unwarranted. And so in that regard, I kind of feel bad for Krauss. But there were they were talking about how when he was a kid, he was, you know, he was the overweight kid. He was poor. He didn't have a lot. He was bullied. Underdog mentality. So now here he is. Now here he is. He's one of the richest people in the United States. He works... He's the GM for a basketball team, the best basketball team, one of the best ever, the best at the time. He wanted to be number one. And at that moment, he wasn't. I mean, he had obviously MJ in front of him. I mean, he had Phil Jackson in front of him. I mean, there was a whole list of people on top of Krause, and he hated that. 
as a GM, he wanted to be number one because he believed in his mind that the team was unable to do anything without him. He was the reason that they were as good as they were, not because of MJ's talent, not because of Phil Jackson's talent as a coach. I mean, it was because of him and nobody believed that. And that's why I think he decided to say to Phil Jackson, like, all right, I don't care if quote, you win 92 games straight, you're not coming back this season next season. I think it has something to do with his first name being Jerry, because this sounds very familiar to a guy in the National Football League named Jerry Jones. Just (laughs) the players and coaches don't win championships. Organizations do. Organizations do. And, you know, I think his quote, his actual quote, if that's actually Because he actually said Totally is Because he actually said, according to a misquote from a journalist, Bad journalistic technique, not saying the entire quote or yeah. taking it out of context, failing to minimize harm, SPJ value. Let's go, Ricky. Players and coaches alone do not win championships. Organizations do as a whole. And I, agree I think with that. that is totally yes. correct. But if he said the other one, then I think he's an idiot. Big time. Because that was where he was putting himself at number one. But if he actually said the second one with together – then yeah, absolutely that because it takes a lot of pieces for this puzzle to work. And so, I don't know. I am not a fan of Kraus after what I saw in that episode. I mean, I know my image of him is going to improve because he did a lot of really cool things for this organization. He drafted the right people. He hired the right people. But he was a major jerk for the first two episodes. And it's also kind of interesting when you look on Twitter during the brief commercial breaks which i thought were great because there were only like three commercial breaks per episode mm-hmm. and some of them weren't even commercials like you saw a big kenny main state farm commercial that was actually about the last dance <laughs> yeah but you look on twitter and then you see people making comparisons of jerry kraus to the bad guy the antagonist in space jam who formed the monsters and that's when the pieces of the puzzle start to connect and you're like i could totally see michael jordan having a say in making that bad character kind of looked like his general manager that he had a little bit of beef with but one person we know oh yeah a little bit but one person we know michael jordan did not have a lot of beef with even though a lot of people do is dennis rodman and that's actually what the third episode is going to be centered around is dennis rodman and his relationship with the bulls organization so what are you kind of looking forward to next week Allie? you know honestly i don't know a whole lot about dennis rodman i know just basically the most basic form of him as a player I know that he was very outgoing and strong-willed and he did some really questionable things so but I'm I think based off what I saw in the first two episodes that we're going to see a little bit of a clash possibly between him and Phil Jackson I think just because I mean you saw that he was a guy that wanted to be the face he, he just had a really big personality, and I think that that's just not going to mix quite as well. I don't know. I really don't know a whole heck of a lot about the team and the way that they work together. So that's just my guess. I could be totally wrong, and they could have the best relationship of all time. But based off what I know of the first two episodes and what I know about him from the past, I'm expecting there to be some clashes. And I think it's going to be interesting because obviously Dennis Rodman is a big personality, I think we'll say for a lack oh, of other yeah. words. I mean, you saw right at the very beginning of the first episode, he kicked a cameraman in the groin for, I don't know why. It didn't really show context, but I don't think there was much But of I reason. do think we're going to see a flashback to the Bad Boys era in Detroit. 
because we know them, them and Michael Jordan had kind of a rivalry. And there were a couple quotes that dropped that Michael Jordan hated the bad boys with a passion. Like that's why he wanted to get stronger so that he could dominate the paint against the Detroit Pistons. Well, that was the first time that forced him to actually go and exactly. lift because he didn't lift up until that. Exactly. Point. And Dennis Rodman was a part of that before going to the Bulls. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how that relationship developed as like enemies on the court to now teammates. But also mm-hmm. there was a video that dropped this morning of like a, a short little clip because they like to keep people on their toes. They like to tease the next episode. They almost might tease it too much that they just give the whole episode away by the end of the week. But it was basically Dennis Rodman and Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan in a room. And Dennis Rodman's like, I need a vacation. And this is when Scottie Pippen comes back from his injury. And he's like, I want to go to Vegas pretty much. And Phil Jackson contemplates letting Dennis Rodman go to Vegas for 48 hours. And Mike is not happy. So bad. Well, you saw how big Michael was against like drugs and alcohol. His and rookie year. Doing things that his rookie could... year. Oh, his rookie <laughs> year specifically. Obviously, things changed a little bit. But um, that was another thing I really respected about him is how he he was very big on staying away from that scene. And so that's another reason I think there's going to be a little bit of a clash there, especially at first. So. Yeah, Rodman going to Vegas seems like a really bad idea. That's what you think? That's what a lot of people think. We're going to find out next week. One thing we didn't touch on that I just want to get out there, Scottie Pippen did start as a a manager in college before playing basketball. I'm not getting my hopes up. I'm just stating a fact. You know, he he was a little thicker, a little thicker. He grew five inches between his freshman and sophomore year. Who knows? I don't think you're going to grow five inches. I don't know, Ricky. I mean, I hope. Oh, I no, I'm not trying you. to make it to the NBA. I'm just, <laughs> I just like being taller. Come back to school and be 7'3". Who knows what quarantine does these days? Yeah, I guess we're going to have to find out. Another thing. Can we just talk about the the fashion of the players? They were swagging the out. The high-waisted, dude, the high-waisted suits and then the long baggy jackets and then like the what are they what are the half berets well when he was in france he was wearing a beret they're so bad just this i mean dude the uniforms and the warm-ups were cool i freaking loved the bulls warm-ups but the suits were questionable talking about more questionable (laughs) stuff what about michael jordan in the first round of the playoffs in between games one and two this was his sophomore year he went out to play golf with Danny Ainge in between playoff oh. games. Like, if you could you imagine like LeBron James going out with well, you got to remember Thompson or something like that during these, the finals. Like, you, you got to remember though, these guys are friends. They've been playing together a lot, and so yes, they're competitors on the court, and f- for the most part, you know they're able to get along off the court. And the other thing is, it's like this is a really stressful time. I and mean, picture yourself in the playoffs. This is one of the biggest stages in the world and you need a mental break and golf is a great example of him taking a break because then he went Michael Jordan went out and freaking balled out the next day I mean he mutilated them what did he score no like three pointers yeah I mean this was a great time for him to just 
relax for a little bit because he's pedal to the metal all the time. This was a time for him to just ease But with off an opposing bit. player? I these guys are friends. All right. I mean, you know, it's it's fun, it's a friendly banter. You get to know your competition. I mean, think another you could go the total opposite side. They're not friends, but keep your enemies close, you know? So I, I think that that's a really good, good idea for them. And I think players a lot do, do it a lot now too, is it's just, it's a break. I mean, it's so exhausting physically, emotionally. And this was a time for them to just step back. And it was bit. also great seeing Bill Walton play basketball instead of talk about basketball. That was oh amazing. Oh my gosh, he's so much – he is – okay, he is not my favorite um, announcer of all time. I don't think he's many people's and, favorite announcer of all time. Yeah, he, he's, he's just not my favorite. But seeing him on the court was so weird because he's so young. I mean, and then like seeing Steve Kerr in a uniform <laughs> on the court, that was wacky. I mean, the first time I saw him, I was like, why is Steve Kerr out there? I mean, it took me that half second – to realize like oh wait I know I mean I knew he was on the team it just I forgot for a second because he is the Warriors head coach and it was just seeing these guys that we grew up with as head coaches and managers and owners and things were players and really really good players it was just it's different to see people and I also think it was kind of interesting at least for me it kind of struck a chord when you saw David Stern's interview the former NBA commissioner and his encounters with Michael Jordan, even when they were in Paris and stuff, it was a very friendly relationship mm-hmm. and just the way he talked about Michael Jordan. And we know Kobe Bryant's going to be, he was interviewed for the documentary. So when do, when do you think Kobe's going to appear? Cause my I'm banking on episode four late. when they talk about Phil Jackson, I think that's I think, when his first appearance is going to be. I think he'll come in later in the series. Um, but I, I, honestly, I have no idea. I, I'm really excited to see to see that because, you know, it's just it's still hard to accept the fact that one of the greatest players of all time is gone, and so it's going to be really cool to see him in that. You know, just Kobe being in the series is kind of like Carrie Fisher coming back to Star Wars because after she passed away, we were able to see her come in, and it was like it helped you to kind of deal with the loss and to. It was just a really cool thing to see and experience. And I think we're going to kind of get that same thing when we see Kobe. I was in the literally thinking the exact same thing the other night when I was watching it, because it does give you some form of closure because you get to hear him speak one last time. And, you know, it was kind of impressive that Phil Jackson went from a generational talent like Michael Jordan to then and that dynasty in Chicago to then go coach the Lakers in that dynasty with Kobe Bryant, Kobe and MJ, very similar players in a lot of aspects. And I think, that a lot of people, it's not going to make them sad necessarily, but I think it's going to make them more, like uplift them more. I think it's going to make exactly. a lot of people really exactly. happy, honestly. Because, I mean, Kobe is one of my favorite. Okay, I never cheered for him because he was a Laker, but I cheered for him because he was Kobe and because of his talent. And it's, I, I think it's going to make people really, really happy to, to see their, one of their favorite players kind of back a little bit for just a little bit you know what I mean all right Allie so we touched on a lot anything else you want to you want to hit on before we end off this episode I think we hit a lot I'm super excited to see where this documentary goes I'm not looking forward to the end however and there is a small portion of the population that is going to really struggle with this documentary and that's jazz fans so 
I'm kind of taking the series with a grain of salt, just knowing what's what's to come. But I'm really excited to see what else they reveal. And we are only two episodes into it. There are sto- still eight more of these left to be released. We're only a fifth of the way done. So hey, math big major, math let's right go. Here. Big numbers, analytics 101. We're going to do this every week, I feel like. I feel like this is a good thing. I think we should do it every week. Yeah. I think it's just a good opportunity to to get back at it, you know, bring bring that baller start back to people's so days. We're going to be back next week to recap the next two episodes of The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary. Stay, Stay tuned, tuned for, for that. that. We're going to release it every Tuesday morning, our normal it's, time, 10 a.m. Arizona time, whenever that is now. So 11 Mountain. And 1 o'clock Eastern one time. 1 o'clock Eastern. Still a morning. Yeah. We're super excited to be able to do this for you guys and just for our sake, keep us sane during this quarantine. And with that being said, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you next week. Allie Hansen, Ricky Weeps, follow us on Twitter at Hoops and Hash. We're going to be putting some more stuff out there too, I think. Because why not? You know, we're trapped in the house. Of course. All right. Let's do it. Stay safe, everyone. We'll see you next week.